Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host from Los Angeles, California, Joey Nocho Prano. Hello, Andy. Joe, I almost hit you with live from Venice Beach. Wow. Yeah, not Venice Beach, that's for sure. I've actually only gone through Venice maybe two or three times uh, since like officially leaving. I'm more than that, but like, well, I was there with you, but since you left, no more than three times, and it is a wild scene out there. <laughs> I mean, a, I mean, the, the, I was describing it to somebody the other day, and, and obviously we sometimes do exaggerations for comedic effect, but it's not an exaggeration, I think you'd agree, that we witnessed, and obviously you left, and now I left, like, we watched kind of the demise and the downfall in real time yeah. since March. It's wild. And it, it's, it's crazy to watch in real time and as it happens. Yeah. You know, and, and like the whole political world these days with like just everything that's going on in the country, everybody was saying like, oh, you know, it's this kind of governor and it's this kind of mayor and these cities are having, but like Venice is its own little neighborhood within the city of Los Angeles. And I've never, I mean, I've experienced a lot of things. And I mean, moving to Williamsburg in 2003 and going from having no stop signs on four-way intersections to having an Apple store and a Whole Foods and all that stuff in a, in a couple of years was pretty mind blowing to see, like going to a neighborhood that was, you know, essentially not popular by any means to, you know, one of the most popular neighborhoods in New York City was like, that was like the closest thing that I could ever relate to it. Obviously, it was going in the other direction. But the idea of this happening from March to like July is insane. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it, it really is. And uh, for me, I was telling somebody this last night, you know, I've been, I've been back now. I think this is like day 12. That already feels like a lifetime ago. Like, yeah. like my days in Venice. Well, it's funny. Cause I texted you the other day about something. I don't remember what it was. Now I texted you and you didn't respond right away. And I'm like, what is this guy doing? What, yeah. Like what? Like what is he even doing? Where is he? <laughs> does he just not have? Does he just not have like service in Walt's basement? Um, there's a lot of work to do. Uh, I was just telling you that before the show. Like now that I'm in this house, not just the actual work within the house, out the house, but you know, my parents have forty years of stuff in this house. Yeah, and I've referred to it. My mom was a serial hoarder. I mean, I found a box the other day. It said Andy's trophies. Like, mom, why do you have a? It was empty, but she had it ready for you. <laughs> <laughs> she was preparing for you to one day win a trophy. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like seriously, mom. You got like a 
third grade little league, like runner up, like what, what, like, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's crazy. And, uh, but whatever, you know, it's a good way to keep occupied. Um, because when it's 50 degrees and overcast every day, you know, this is the other side of the quality of life. That's for sure. Now, let me ask you something about Cincinnati. Is it borough fever? Like, is it, is it, is it Joey backdoor insanity there? Well, you know, I'm not really going out much. I know, but it's not like palpable everywhere you go. There's just people in Joe Burrow jerseys. I, I will say, you know, if you go to the local Target or go to the stores, obviously there's number nine jerseys everywhere. Yeah. I don't know how you can't have Burrow fever because he's doing as much as he can as a player, right? Yeah. Like yesterday. He looks amazing considering how – bad they are at protecting him how bad the defense is like he the, he burrow and herbert to some degree have, have both been awesome and it's sort of a throwback to the old school like bring a guy in with your top pick let him start right out of the gate let him take his knocks throw a bunch of you know reckless passes but at the same time you know throwing 60 times a game and shit like that i, I think it's we go back and forth on the show, like, you know, we were talking about Tua last week and whatever, but like when you're in a situation like that, where there is nothing, where there's no hope, no, and you are the hope, just throwing these guys to the wolves and seeing if they can survive, I think is a great strategy. And it's, and those guys look like they're going to be two of the best quarterbacks in the league in, you know, five years from now. No, I agree, man. I mean, he really does have nothing with him. Like, like it's just him. Yeah. You know, and uh, that well, was actually T, T Higgins, right. Is his, is his like go-to guy. And they he, got, he got hurt yesterday. Yeah. I mean, look, that was a back and forth game. I don't know if you watched it. It was actually an exciting game to watch. I did watch it. Yeah. Because Baker after starting over five, I think he went like, what, like 20 of 21 or something. I think and, he did 21 consecutive passes and went like 22 for 23 or something like that. Yeah, it was something insane. So after that awful interception, which ended Odell's season, it's, it's like it was a great back-and-forth game. Um, and I knew, I knew all along they would lose. I, I mean, I mean this, this is what, you know, Dirtball, Matt Boonstra slid into our DMs and was talking about the Lions. And I said, look, man, the Lions are the same thing as the Bengals. Like, the, these awful run franchises. And I said that. I texted my brother when the Bengals took the lead at 106. I said, this game will not go into overtime. The Bengals will just straight up lose in regulation. And they did because it's just a, it's a poorly run team. Burrow has been exciting. Uh, Baker actually had a great game yesterday, minus that start. But we got to get to the Odell thing off the bat, Joe. Yeah. Another Odell injury. And a serious one. Yeah. I mean, the ACL was the ACL? Torn ACL. Yeah. They're, they're, it, it's a serious injury, but like these days they, they fix him. Like his ACL will be fixed in 72 hours and then he'll be on the road to recovery. Um, there, there. It's certainly not. It's certainly a season-ending injury, but like, it's not like people don't come back from them these days. I feel like the ACLs in NFL and uh, and MLB and and NBA are like the uh, the Tommy John surgery these days. 
I agree, but he also has just such a history. Oh, no doubt about no doubt about it. Like you gotta like the thing with Odell is it it's crazy because the Browns are the Browns and like they just can never get it all together at once. I mean, yeah. there was a couple of weeks where him and Landry seemed to be like carrying them and Baker was like not playing well. And then Baker gets like finally looks like the guy that they want him to be and they lose their top receiver. I mean, the Browns are fine right now. You know sure. what I mean? Like record wise, but yeah. and and everybody's on the Odell Diva, whatever. That's the argument that'll never end with Odell. And you can't say that this doesn't hurt them though. Like, I think that their their ability to win playoff games or make the playoffs, or whatever, is significantly hindered by losing Odell Beckham. I don't think it is. You don't think so? Look, I think they're deep. I don't think it significantly. Obviously, it hurts them. There's no denying that. Um, I but... just think he's one of those guys who you go when you go around the league and you look at the teams that are playing well and the teams that tend to play well in the playoffs, it's, you know, you always have a Belichick style Patriots and you have, and like what Andy Reid does offensively is, is one thing and like the McVay types. But when you look at even your Seahawks team and it's, it's those playmakers that are the difference when it comes to, a matchup or if we're talking about a wild card playoff game or something like that. And I just still think he's, he's a guy who a five yard slant could turn into a 75 yard score. Anytime he gets the ball. Well, there's no denying that. And what's, and what's the saddest thing about Odell is like, hopefully he doesn't lose that. You know, I'm just saying, you know, based on kind of where he's at in, in seven years now, he had 23 catches entering yesterday's game. It's four yard. I'm sorry. That's four receptions a game. It's yeah. it's like, you know, he caught a thousand yards last year, but I, I don't know. I, I just, he's a good player, but injuries have, you know, the numbers don't lie. He's only played 61% of the games since 2017. And that number will, will surely go down now because of this as well. I, I just think, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I think we disagree on Odell to a degree. Um, it definitely hurts the team. No one's denying that. And, and, and the diva stuff, you know, I, I don't put too much into that anymore. And I don't think there's been that much talk of that. He's remained mostly quiet, I think, right. Since he's been on the Browns, as far as no drama, no, no trouble. Uh, but you're right. They're five and two. They're, they're still in the heat of playing for the playoffs. Now, how good are they? We don't know. You, you know, I think that's the talk of a lot of teams, right. Prano at this point, like how good, are some of these teams right um because who have they played and who have they beaten and i know everyone's asking that i will say we have to address the odell beckham antonio brown right because the day antonio brown's return to football is announced the first time ever that the ruther curse has worked in your favor you get antonio brown back and odell goes out i don't like you using the ruther curse to your advantage and, I look, I, and, and, and hurting my favorite player. I, I don't risk. And I said this, I don't risk any injury. Like I don't, I don't want to, you know, put that juju on anybody. I don't want anybody to get injured. Um, so where they're at right now, 
Antonio Brown is 4,433 yards ahead of Odell. I couldn't feel more confident than ever, I'll be honest. <laughs> what? Yeah. You're more confident than ever that a guy who, like, literally didn't play a single game for the last team that signed him, then played one game for the team that picked him up after that, is going to come back and, and laugh. Like, this isn't even about Odell. Like, Odell being hurt is one thing. But, like, Antonio Brown, who has a pending, you know, lawsuit, like, the idea that he's penciled in for the rest of the games this season is kind of ludicrous. I don't know if Antonio needs to play another game in his NFL career. I'm still confident in the 4,433 yards. Well, that's just reckless. It's not because Odell's in his – this is what I'm saying. He's in his seventh year. He's injury prone. He would need four more seasons of 1,100 yards. Right. You see this with receivers. You see this with skilled players. Once that injury bug hits, and it's hit him a lot, it's tough to have – like, I think it's fair to say, does Odell have four 1,100 seasons left in his career? Well, I don't, I, I don't think that's I, crazy. But I, th- I think Odell is the kind of guy as well who – Again, I'm talking about, you know, hopefully Odell doesn't lose that playmaking ability. I, I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. is the kind of guy who's just quitting football because he's not getting a huge contract. He's not the number one. I mean, I, I'm sure he could transition into being a TikTok star very easily. But Odell is a guy who, to me, could easily downshift into being a possession receiver for a long – I mean, Golden Tate's still in the league. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but, that, but Golden like, Tate that, never had the the athletic ability, the fanfare, everything that Odell. I think he had, had the athletic ability. I mean, he was he was returning punts, he was doing all these things. Like, Come on, he was Joe. that kind of guy. He's no Odell. No, I agree. He's no Odell. But my point is that that's that almost proves my point is he's still sticking around. He's still like, I'll be the third guy on this team. I'll be the second guy on this team. I'll just you know keep chasing it. I also think Odell has so many other opportunities outside of football. Uh, his marketability. He has a huge fan I mean, base. I, I, I got to say, I think for your, for your case, you're still, to me, looking at, like, what is Antonio Brown's doing? I think, I think Odell will get 4,000 more yards in his career. Then the question is what, is, what is Antonio Brown adding on that? Now, if he comes to the – like, the rest of the year – Okay, is Antonio Brown going to have 1,000 yards in 10 games? No, no, I don't think so. Eight games, uh, yeah, no. If he sticks around with the, uh, with the Bucks for a while, you know, a year or two, what kind of, you know, is he there? Is, does he become one of their go-to guys? Like, I think Antonio Brown, after X amount of time off, on a team that has a lot of weapons, he, like, I don't, I don't see a lot of teams besides the Bucks. You know, I know there was a couple people in the talk, in talks, like taking a chance on him. But I think the question is, six thousand yards is a tough, is a tough task for Odell for the rest of his career. Probably, does Antonio Brown stockpile fifteen, sixteen hundred yards for the rest of his career? I don't know. Well, let's just get to the signing. I mean, it shocked everyone. I don't know if it shocked you. Like, I was hanging out with my brother Friday, and he got the alert, and he said, you're not going to believe this. The Bucks just signed Antonio Brown. And I was, I was dumbfounded. I, I kept, what? Is this real? But 
he he has kind of made it known that he loves Tom Brady. He wanted he wanted to be a Patriot to play with Tom Brady. Like this was less shocking to me than had he signed with the Seahawks, which was the talk. Because I'm like, why are they messing with a good thing that they have going on? Meanwhile, the Bucks kind of having like we're going to have all the weapons. We're going to get Gronk to come out of retirement. We're going to sign Leonard Fournette. It just seems like the Bucks are going for this. They're 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 using Tom Brady in the Le- LeBron way. Like we'll take every guy that was once good for less money because they want to win a ring. Yeah. Obviously they've had some serious injuries this year. You know, Howard's out for the year. You have a hobbled Mike Evans for a while. Godwin's battled some injuries. You have injuries, but we all know this, Joe. That guy is just gasoline on a fire for any locker room. Yeah. But the most he can earn, it's not really a financial issue because the most right. he can earn is $2.5 million. So it's a very small lump of money. Yeah. And, like, I mean, I think it's – high risk but it's also high reward like it's it's going to be a tough offense to cover if he can come back and be 75 percent of his best self yeah like if he's returning punts if he's like there's so much to the antonio brown thing now again you know the the conversation people don't want to talk about it i think i think there are people who at this point whether it be politics and whatever just want to ignore anything other than like Antonio Brown is a great receiver and he's back with the Bucks, but like his a domestic violence lawsuit pending. And it sort of goes back to the thing about the NFL. And I'll say it a little bit like Tom Brady at this point is just like, you know, bring me your terrible people with terrible baggage. You know what I mean? Like it, Tom Brady's kind of like openly fine with this at this point. Yeah, look, I've seen a I've seen a fair amount about that, how little's been talked, and I've also seen some editorial pieces that have been critical of Brady, openly recruiting a guy who's involved with domestic abuse, multiple offensive offenses, some bad things. I guess my question would be, <laughs> like, where do you draw the line? And, and and we've said a lot of stuff on the show in the past, but I I think at this point. You either just have to not watch football if you're fed up with it or just accept it. Because I think the amount of players who have a lot of bad baggage or domestic abuse or violent histories, I think it's pretty high in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, I think the bottom line is there's always going to be somebody to sign. Jerry Jones is out there lurking. Like there's always going to be the guy who will do it. I, I think the sad reality is, unfortunately, I think there are some teams, not that many, but I think there's a handful of teams that put themselves above some of those issues. And they say, like, we won't go after a guy who does that kind of thing. And unfortunately, that, like, having a, having a, a conscience about who you sign puts, puts you behind the eight ball because – there are, there are people out there who don't care. And so there's always going to be good talent that's sitting around and you're shooting yourself in the foot by saying, we're not going to pick up the guy because we don't want to answer questions about, does this mean we don't care about domestic violence? Meanwhile, Tom Brady's like, 
Imagine punching your wife with all these rings. <laughs> Look at all of them. <laughs> Antonio, get one of these. Knock her out, dog. We see this in all forms of professions, right? Like we see this, especially in the arts with acting and music and comedy. And, and my point is, I, I think people, this is where I agree that there is blatant hypocrisy you know, of the actor who continues to get the role, who's involved with something, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like Sean Penn has a bad history, right? Yeah. Things like that. Sean Penn is also a brilliant Academy Award winning actor. It's, yeah. it's not hurt his work over the years. So we see it. My question to you would be, who are the teams who don't make that? Who have been the vocal teams or the teams who have stayed away from guys like this? Because I... I I couldn't name any. I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, well, you know, to be fair, we, we suck. And this is probably a part of it. But, like, look at the Giants. The Giants just refuse to do this. I mean, I, I still hate the Odell Beckham thing. I mean, Odell Beckham didn't even do anything wrong. <laughs> They're like, we don't want anything to do with Odell, Odell Beckham because he gets upset on the sidelines. You know, and, and I think that you can take that too far. And, I mean, you know, they did have Lawrence Taylor on their team for years. Right. And, and Lawrence Taylor had a drug problem and was, you know, using hookers. Like, we're talking about, this is 1986. Like, you were in New York. Like, I bet you the entire New York Giants team had a drug problem. <laughs> like, 1986, you know, Super Bowl New York team. Like, this is the 80s, dude. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, when you look at a team like, for example, the Steelers, I mean, a, another example of a team that like, they don't really stand for this unless it's their white quarterback. And then they're like, well, you know, come on, like, we're not going to, we're not going to cut anyone what took us to the Super Bowl. We're not going to cut yeah. it, you know, but there are, and there's, and that's why there's tons of hypocrisy in the league as well. But there tends to be, whether it be teams, whether it be coaches, whether it be whatever, who like kind of take the stand on this stuff. And I think that that just, you know, shoots them in the foot a little bit. I mean, you look at a guy like Belichick, his thing is right. Like we're going to be your resurrection. We don't care what your problems are. You're not going to do that here. And it's almost like, you know, people treat him like he like fixes them because he won't stand for it. But like the bottom line is, I mean, Aaron Hernandez was murdering people in their locker room. Well, well sure. It's, I think it's a, you know, I think we live in a balance, right, as a society of this, you should be punished for the demons of your past, but also, do we not believe in second chances, right? So there's that constant balance, and I think that's the main problem that I have, especially with people who I would call far left or virtue signaler, signalers and those type of people, because it's like, if you believe in, you know, reforms in the criminal justice system like i i definitely do as far as giving people second chances and we also have to do that for people who aren't technically locked away or thrown you know what i'm saying it's it, it's like you know i saw i saw a, a piece on multiple pieces about the antonio brown signing right on deadspin the the new even more woke deadspin.com and is that possible oh yeah it's it's 40 times worse I, I haven't followed Deadspin for a while. Yeah, I, I've since they brought it back, I've followed it more out of curiosity. But but the, this one extra woke writer 
she's always writing these pieces. And my, my, if, I wanted, if I had a chance of sitting down with her, I'd say to this, I'd say this to her. You make some valid points at times, but also if you're not upset, then just boycott football. Yeah. You know, if you're writing 47% of the NFL viewers are supposedly women, and I don't know how accurate that number is, then get women to boycott football. But it's really tough to cherry pick because there's too many people to cherry pick, right, in the league who have this sort of baggage. Uh, but let's get to the actual team, the Bucks. They played the Raiders yesterday. They're starting to click, Prano. They're 5-2. and two. They're playing well as a team. It seems their defense is getting better. Brady's starting to find a, some sort of rhythm last few weeks with his guys. I think the Bucks are definitely on the rise right now. Well, you, you can't – it would be reckless to say otherwise. I mean, that was a game for a while. The Raiders were in it. I was actually surprised how in that game the Raiders were. I like that as like a sneaky trap game for the Bucs uh, until the COVID thing hit, which is like a whole other thing. I don't know what at, – at this point, I don't know how COVID is a, like having like a lack of practice – and having guys missing, I don't really know how much it's affecting teams. I mean, you look at the Titans coming back off their, their scare and looking great. And uh, the Raiders, like, not seemingly missing much of a beat. I mean, obviously, seems to have affected the Patriots pretty greatly, which we can talk about later on. But it, it's just weird because they, the Raiders were in that game, and then, yeah. and then the Bucs pull away late. But I think, you know, as, as – offensive as the game was it was pretty high scoring i really do think that the bucks defense is what is i mean I, like tom brady's finding rhythm like you said with his guys but the bucks defense is playing really well yeah and if they continue to grow as a defense that's when i think this team gets pretty scary sure because the 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 bucks have plenty of weapons on offense and they're already doing it's already we're already back to Tom Brady's offense where the goat is doing these goat things like throwing negative one yard passes that go for, you know, 25 yard gains to small white wide receivers you've never heard of before. And you're like, why does this always happen? Well, hold on, though. Before you disparage Brady, he threw some dimes yesterday. No, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But that but that's the that's kind of the Brady story, right? Is like. He kills you with the little dinky donkey stuff, and it, it just sets up him throwing, you know, great passes. And but he did; he absolutely threw a dime. But that shows how good he is. I, I think at this point, well, there's a few things, and obviously, we loved all these storylines heading into the season because of the Jameis Winston situation. The right. defense is not getting, you know, they're not. They're, every, not playing, they're, they're not starting every game with the ball on their own 20 yard line, exactly. giving up the first touchdown or starting the game down a touchdown before they even step on the field. Exactly. And I think that's important. So before knuckleheads like Jameis one one want to post stuff. I mean, and, at this point, there is no, there's no one else besides him. Like the, the Jameis defenders have sailed. Like, where are they? They're all yeah. gone. It's just him. And we're talking about a guy who's now a backup on the saints. There's, Tons of teams out there at this point who need quarterbacks. Jameis isn't getting paid that much. If he was in, if people thought he was, he would have been a cowboy. If he I was, was just going to say, I was going to say the right cowboy fit. if he was competent. 
but that defense can't give up any more pick sixes because God knows they can't stop anybody as it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I, I think the Bucks. you know, I projected them to win around 11 games. I think they're probably, they are around that same projection, projection right now at, at five and two. But I have to bring up the Patriots because we're discussing this. They look lost, Joe. Completely lost. Cam Newton has been a huge disappointment the last few weeks, and you could say overall for the season. They're now two and four. My, my concern with the Patriots is that the way they started, I said this, the, the Cam Newton signing makes 100% sense when you're going to do this with him. He comes out in the first couple weeks, and Bill Belichick goes, I signed him for one year. I'll use him like I have him for one year. Game one, he rushes the ball 15 times, scores a couple rushing touchdowns. Week two, there's a, couple, there's a rushing touchdown or two rushing touchdowns, whatever it is. They're running him old Cam Newton style, which I have said forever is not a long-term recipe for Cam Newton, and it's not a long-term recipe for a franchise quarterback. You can't just use a quarterback as your tailback and expect him also to be able to throw the ball well and survive and whatever. But then Bill Belichick gets him, like literally waits in the weeds, gets him on a a one-year low-money signing, and then goes, I'm going to run him into the ground. Now we're in week seven, and he's rushing the ball five times, and we're going to – Cam is going to pass us in the games. This – I have been an outspoken Cam critic. He's not a good passer. He's not trending to be a good passer. He's not shown improvements in the passing game. He, you cannot build your team around Cam Newton if your plan is Cam Newton drops back and passes the ball and wins you games. And so I'm not sure if it's what the defense are doing to the Patriots. I kind of think, you know, and also I'll add, I don't know if there's a COVID thing. He's certainly been a different player post you know, uh, symptoms or whatever. But like, to me, if you're not going to run Cam Newton 12 to 15 times a game, put in Stidham. Yeah. Like have a different strategy because I have said, this is not, you're not going to do this. This is not going to be the way you win games. But are you ready to give any credit to Tom Brady saying, look, this is how they are without Tom Brady right now. They're a mess. Well, first of all, the Brady Belichick pairing, like there's no not giving credit to that, to that duo and what they were able to accomplish together. But I think that the difference between, you know, comparing Tom Brady with the Bucks and comparing Belichick with the Patriots is, is sort of like considering um, what we all thought. We all thought give Belichick somebody, he'll totally change his everything and he'll still be successful. And for a few weeks, we were right. And I and I and I liked what he was doing. It's like we'll bring him in. Let's you know run old school Cam, run him into the ground, and I'll figure out what to do next year. As opposed to Tom Brady going to the Bucks, which is just Tom Brady on the Bucks with Gronk with receivers, doing he's running the Tom Brady offense again. He's running the Belichick. You know he's running the Belichick Brady offense down there. So Brady didn't really need to adjust. And I just think that Belichick didn't quite adjust like we thought he would, or I thought he would at least. 
The Patriots are two and four, so they played six games. We got ten games left. I'd also like to, you know, I want, I, and I might do it today. It's like give me, give me money on the Patriots winning the division. Still, that, that's what I was just going to ask you. Over do under I think eight. They win the division? No, but I bet you the value's there. You think they win more than eight games? Uh, yeah, I do. You do? I, th- I think I think nine and seven is probably a good good number for them. So you think they go seven and three the rest of the way? I haven't looked at their schedule. I haven't but either. Like, but when you look at the teams that they've beat and the teams that they've lost to, like they went out. Remember, they went out and pounded the Raiders. Like the Raiders are pretty good. Yeah. Um, they lost a close game to Seattle. Like now that that's kind of my point is lost a close one to Kansas city with second and third stringers. Yeah. That's kind of my point is when you look at this team, it, it definitely feels like something has switched in the last couple of weeks. Is this the, a post COVID cam? Is this just them getting away from what they're doing? Is this just that they snuck up on some teams early, which I don't know how that's really possible. I mean, they're the, they're the new England Patriots. Are they sneaking up on people? Yeah. To me, the thing is, if you're not going to use cam that way, then why did you, then, then what are you doing? I just, I just think Bill Belichick is smart enough to know cam isn't a good passing quarterback. Cam is not keeping you in games, dropping back 25 times. 30 times you need to play a ball control offense play defense I mean I just kind of thought they would be like a way more ground and pound style are you ready to give a little respect to the Pittsburgh Steelers six I am I I mean I have said that I didn't know who the Steelers were because of the their competition so far but I think the Tennessee Titans are really good and I think just the fact that the Steelers won that game however it may have ended you know, uh, how can you not give them credit? Yeah, I still, I, there's, there's something about the Steelers team to me and maybe it's the offense. Like I think their defense is fantastic. Uh, like their offense just seems like scary and spotty to me, but again, they're winning games. So at this point they're, they've won all their games. They're the only undefeated team left. And they beat a team yesterday that I think is very legit. So how, how do you not give them credit? Well, they were dominating 27 to seven. Yeah. Tennessee, as they always do come back really, really good team. As far as the, the heart they have tough break, obviously Gostowski has been a de- debacle this year as a kicker. Yeah. Um, but their defense is really good, man. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, I think the Steelers being built on that and, and that's a, that's a good game plan. You know, obviously you have an aging quarterback. They, they have weapons on offense. Connor's still good. Obviously their receiving core is good. Roethlisberger is Roethlisberger. He's not what he once was, but I mean, there's plenty of proof that teams you put, you put a good defense out there. You're able to run the ball. And you put a competent quarterback out there who doesn't have to do too much. You can s- certainly win the Super Bowl. Um, look, I guess the question is at seven and zero, like right now, gun to your head, the, is there where if the game is played in Pittsburgh in, uh, or on the moon, 
do you think they could beat Kansas City in a playoff game? Well, well, they're six and zero. I mean, no big deal. But they're six and zero. I'd still put my money on Kansas City because Kansas City overall, their defense. This isn't the same Kansas City defense that is going to give up thirty points a game. Right. Their defense is a good, formidable defense, and the special teams played great yesterday. Obviously, there was that great kick return that I had the wrong player on and got destroyed on Twitter, and I didn't back out of it. That was that I I did enjoy your doubling down. Of- well, well, it wasn't even the, you know I guess you can call it a doubling down. It's it's just you know I had that game on the one TV and I had all the other games on the big TV. And the small TV was muted. And, you know, again, you're, I'm watching a lot of games at once. I'm watching, at times, five or six games at once. It's just so funny. Somebody made a great point on Twitter. I don't know if they tweeted it or DM'd it. And they go, it's so funny how people are so quick to get angry and correct you when you're right – or when you're wrong, I'm sorry, versus just like, uh, look at this cool catch. Yeah. With the right no, – no, no, Look, there's not enough time – today or this week or this year for for us to unbox the cesspool that is the internet (laughs) and why the majority of people and i've been saying this on our show for years the vocal sports fan on the internet is a dumb fucking garbage person and i absolutely like i saw it i knew you had the wrong name i figured he i figured you would figure that out pretty quickly I didn't know that I didn't even know that anybody would correct you. I just thought they're going to flash the name at the bottom of the screen or they're going to show the highlight during the game that you're watching with sound on. You would realize it's wrong. You would pull it down or you wouldn't either way. I never thought you'd get 200 responses underneath being like, watch the fucking game. No, my favorite is you're not even watching the game. It's like I posted it within 30 seconds of it happening. Yeah. Clearly, I'm watching the game. It's, yeah. it's just, you you idiot, moron. It's like, dude. My favorite was interns are running this cam. Like, you guys think we still have interns. Adorable. Yeah. And not to mention, uh, interns usually do run the social media. So that would make complete and utter sense right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I doubled down. I didn't care. You know, I haven't slid in with my personal to one night. It's like, I am watching the game. Like, and I wrote, it, <laughs> Oh, man. I, did you see that? I, I, I also did notice that this weekend. I was like, Andy Ruther's – I haven't seen a lot from Andy Ruther's personal account. And then you were threatening violence against young Sheldon. I was like, he's back, baby. I was not threatening violence. All I tweeted was I that. almost did like the looking around the corner, you know, <laughs> like, oh, here all, he is. Look who it is. All I tweeted, you have to agree, young Sheldon of all the TV characters has one of the most punchable faces. Well, you should watch. Uh, you should watch Big Little Lies. What's you that? Watch Big Little Lies. It was What's an HBO that? show. He was on the show. He gets abused by some other kids. So if you enjoy, if you if you want, if you ever want to see Little Sheldon, Young Sheldon get abused, you should watch. Oh Big wow! Little Lies. I, and I tweeted that. That's funny. Now I look yeah. even more like an asshole, don't I? Yeah. Yeah. You don't <laughs> actually see him get abused. You just hear him. About him. It's it's fine. You'll gotcha. be okay. Well, no, look, no. man, Kansas City. I think I, I thought that was just a shot at Chris Wild. You know, he has a recurring on Young Sheldon. I was like, man, the the Wild Ruther beef is about to escalate again. There's no diss on the actual show, even though it looks. Like I, I hung out well. with Wild on uh, on Saturday night, 
And uh, he was very sad to hear that you had returned to Cincinnati. He, was he? He felt, he also maybe felt a little bit hurt that, you know, you didn't reach out to him and, and, and say goodbye. And uh, I said, you know, he's going through a lot. And uh, so he, he has said though, that uh, he said to me in regards to something else, part of his plan, should he ha- find great success in the, in the coming years is to bring you back. Like he's like, I will personally bring Andy Ruther back just so I can kick him out again. <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's like, I know he wants to be around his family. I, I want to get successful enough to move Andy and all of his brothers and all of their families to Los Angeles just so that I can kick Andy out and send him back to Cincinnati. I was like, all right. That's the most Chris Wilde thing ever. By yeah. the way, I got to give a shout out. Look, are you, have you seen this hat I'm wearing? It's uh, I don't know what, what is that? Ohio? Yeah. It's Ohio. Okay. I got a brand new hat in the mail from Dirtball Kevin Tedda. Tita Tedda. I don't know. Tita kind of like Tita. It's, Anyway, Kevin, I, I assume you're a dirtball because I saw you on social media. You have to be. Just, it arrived in the mail. Unbelievable. An Ohio hat. It's like he's welcoming me back to the motherland, the great state, the heart of it all, the 513, the nasty natty. Is that a chili tree that's on the hat? <laughs> I assume it is a buckeye tree. Oh, okay. Uh, but they should have chili trees. I will say. Yeah. I did have chili the first night I was back, by the way. Like garbage chili, like, like fast food chili. Skyline. Yeah. The very first night I came back 12 days ago, I did have it. I I, I mean, I mean, I had to, I really had to. All right, Joe, let's get through these games. Speaking of garbage, let's talk about the Detroit lions and the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I mean, that's just, uh, a Mexican standoff. Yeah. The idea that Todd Gurley, the Fal- oh my. The Falcons have the ball with a minute left. Down two. All they have to do is center the ball and kick a field goal for the win. Instead, they score a touchdown and still lose the game. Is insanity. The games that Atlanta has lost this year already through just seven weeks, I've never seen this many weird, wild endings. The one against the Cowboys. Wasn't there one, another one that was crazy? Yeah. I mean, they've, they've blown multiple big late leads. Like, Gurley doing that, you know what that was? And I'm just going to say, you know, I mean, it always goes back to something sexual. Him doing that is like when you, like, pull out just a second too late you're like oh man yeah like i should (laughs) not have done that and we've all been there and you're like this probably won't burn me but if it does it's gonna ruin my life yeah yeah yeah. like you're like oh like that's what it was todd Gurley forgot to pull out uh what's amazing though is like we've seen this i mean ahmad bradshaw did that in the super bowl And what's amazing though, is like with the Falcons, you, you know, people are like, Oh, what? You just got to go down and then you can fill goal and you can win. It's like, they scored a touchdown. They're up now. Like if this wasn't the Falcons, you'd be like, the game is still over. 
And of course it's not. Of course they lose the game. Like this, this is just a like I, I almost feel like the Falcons obviously going back to the Super Bowl where they have one of the most epic collapses ever. I feel like this is just their franchise, you know, stigma. I almost feel like you've got to like change the mascot or something. Like you, you need to become the Atlanta something else's because the Falcons fucking choke. Yeah. And you thought it might change now that, uh, you know, they got rid of Quinn and the GM. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Like the one thing the Falcons seem to need more than anything else, more than like a improved defense, more than better, especially they need a 13 year old kid who plays a lot of Madden that can just stand on the sideline and explain how clocks work to whoever happens to have the headset on as the head coach. Yeah. They seem to not understand that. Like the majority of 13-year-old nerds in a Madden tournament win that game. They never score the touchdown. They kick the field goal at the buzzer. Game over. They win. What's crazy is Todd Gurley, I don't know if you remember this, did the right move when he played for the Rams. It was either, I think it was two years ago, the same exact situation where he purposely didn't score because remember everybody was going nuts about fantasy. So he made the right move with the Rams, but for some reason, he made the he made the right move in this game too. He just pulled the trigger too late. Yeah, again, he forgot to pull out. Like, he, yeah, he just. And here's the thing: if you're not going to pull out, just go all in. You know, get that money's worth. Get that yeah. money's worth in the touchdown. You can't be like dribbling out. You know, I mean, that's what he was doing. You shaking your head at me, Joe? Yeah. <laughs> And for my Lions fans out there, because there's a few of you who exist, don't get too hyped on your three and three. You're still the Detroit Lions. I'll just leave I, it at that. I mean, the it's going to be a tough go for the Lions. I mean, just obviously in a division that has the Packers and the currently one seed Bears. Like, I think the Bears have the number one overall seed in the NFC now because of some wild nonsensical thing. I mean, I don't think it's going to end up that way, but it's going to be tough, tough slugging for the Lions to get in. Although I guess with the NFC East being the way it is with the NFC West being such a, you know, tough division, I guess there's an outside chance that they could be a playoff team. I I wouldn't count on it again. I I wouldn't, I I said, I mean, I said an outside chance. I mean, the, the history of that organization He's but like if the season ended today. Yeah, I'm looking right now. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's a lot of football to play. But I, I just I, you know, I wouldn't count on it. The right. the Lions are gonna Lions. And that's that's kind of how I feel about some of these just bad organizations. <laughs> now I really enjoyed watching the Carolina New Orleans game. That was a fun back. Uh, it, 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 you know, I got to say, going, just before we move on from Lions going to Lions, my, the sad thing for me is, like, I don't want the Lions winning games. Like, I want Matthew Stafford freed. It, it's it's kind of crazy to me that we haven't heard, like, Matthew Stafford, and I would hate this because I want their franchise to burn forever, but, like, it's kind of crazy we haven't heard Matthew Stafford to the Cowboys talk. Cowboys are such a mess, man. From Texas, they obviously have a quarterback problem. The NFC East is up for grabs. I mean, 
I, obviously we've skipped over the game because it's Thursday and it was a dumpster fire, but the Giants fumble. The Giants would be in first place if they won that game. I mean, that's the where the NFC East is right now. I had that game on side by side with the presidential debate, and uh, I didn't know which was more of a debacle. I mean, I said it. I said it in reply to one of my own tweets, but I was like, I was like, this this couldn't be more. This this is the football game version of the debate. I mean, both of these teams suck. And one of these teams' fans are entirely made up of human garbage. I was like, this is this is the presidential debate of football games. Yeah. I mean, I mean, at this point for me, I've never in my entire life seen an entire division that is difficult to watch. The entire NFC East, especially when they're playing each other. I was thinking yesterday, even as I was watching games and and specifically watching the Cowboys. Redskins game long term you know as a Giants fan I am most scared of this Washington team building themselves the right way winning games Ron Rivera with videos of him literally walking out beating cancer uh I mean I know he's got the riverboat Ron um nickname but clearly the most competent coach in the NFC East right now I mean I think it's a little early to judge joe judge but uh but the other two forget i mean mike mccarthy hilarious i mean there's there's never been there's never been any more like we want to study cte we got to pull terry bradshaw into a fucking laboratory right now this guy still supports mike mccarthy how busted is your brain? Is there a worse take in sports take history? I'm starting to think there's, that Terry Bradshaw had double CT. Like, not only does he have football CT, did, did he flip a car filming Cannonball Run or something like that? Like, this guy has extensive CTE. Anybody needs a reminder, Terry Bradshaw said he would take Mike McCarthy over Aaron Rodgers He's moving forward. He's still supporting Mike McCarthy every Sunday on Fox. I can't even watch. Because of Bradshaw, I think he wears those little like paperboy hats, so his brain doesn't leak out his ear. I can't even watch that crew because of Bradshaw. Yeah, and Terry Bradshaw seems like a nice guy. Yeah, I, I just but but like what kind? What is the weird sickness? Like, did him and Mike McCarthy like go into like a an underage brothel? Like, what what pictures does Mike McCarthy have of Terry Bradshaw? Mike McCarthy, I mean, I said it when they hired him, but like, what a joke he just looks the cowboys lost. are when, yeah. when, when you watch the cowboys games and obviously he's wearing a mask so you can't see his entire face he just looks lost and obviously they lost dak now dalton was knocked back to cincinnati with that hit i just i don't understand what is going on in dallas from coaching from the players from the top level decisions it's a mess and and as an nfc east guy it's like the the oh the cowboys are hurt and the eagles are hurt it's like that that's just football guys that's football and that's also on your that's also on your team a little bit like yeah bad luck happens but also like oh everybody's getting hurt like there's a little bit to, to like your conditioning and your training staff and your whatever. And like, I look at the NFC East and the Giants have been a- abysmal 
And the only thing that gives me like minuscule hope of, for the Giants is that their defense is okay. Of course, now we're like trading guys because we've given up on the season and rightfully so. But like I watched that Giants-Eagles game. I tweeted it after like the, the positive that came out of that game for me is like the Eagles are going to continue to do the P- Peterson-Wentz game. Peterson had a full season where every terrible decision went his way and they won a Super Bowl, but every single season before and after, he has embarrassed himself with these coaching decisions, the going for it and the not go like I actually don't think he knows what he's doing at all. Well, I think he caught and, lightning in a bottle that year. Yeah. It was just like every, you know, he was just hot at a blackjack table. He couldn't, he couldn't you know, couldn't go bust, but he doesn't know how to play blackjack. And Mike McCarthy is just bad. Like I said, it's too early to tell on, on our guy, but long-term, especially with them winning games. I mean, I I'm, I'm most fearful of the Washington football team. I'm most fearful long-term of a team that doesn't have a mascot. What do you make of that hit on Andy Dalton? I mean, that's That's a bad, that's a bad, bad hit. Disgusting. And they're saying he's not going to be suspended. I, I don't know how he's not suspended. Yeah. Especially with him sliding. I mean, his head was just taken off. Yeah. That was tough to watch. Yeah. I if you're the, let me ask you something right now. If you're yeah. the Cowboys, what's your move here? Like, are you playing for this year? Are you playing no. for like – I'd throw the towel in this year. Honestly, my move if I'm the Cowboys, and again, I hate to say this, is I know everybody loves Dak. I know everybody wants – like, I would, I would try to get Matthew Stafford on the, on the Dallas Cowboys. Well, look, even if you get Matthew Stafford, that defense is so bad. Right. I understand that. Yeah. That's not a defense that can win you playoff games. Agreed. I throw in the towel. Done. Yeah, and, and, I, and I mean, obviously, it, does, it doesn't seem like the Cowboys are going to be buyers right now. But, but in the offseason, it's like I know Dak will you know, be recovering. And it, but the idea of spending $400 million to sign a guy who just missed the entire season or like find a way to like take the like – give up a couple picks, get Stafford. Yeah. Did you watch and, that? And, and I hope they don't do it because I hate the Cowboys. What? Did you watch that Panthers Saints game? I did. Pretty yeah. good game. K- kind of went how I thought it would. Yeah. Yeah. It was close. Panthers just stay in games. But I guess the big question is what's like long term, what's going on with the Saints and Michael Thomas? Because they are not a contender without him. They're not. What I'll is going on? I'll just say that straight up. They are a good team. They're, I think that they are contenders with him, but they are not contenders without him. I think there's something going on that none of us know. Yeah. I mean, there was talk that they were trading him, then there was talk that they weren't. You they know. just signed him to a big deal. Yeah. Something's going on. It, it, it feels like the Kawhi Spurs situation. Like, yeah. what? And, and I, I'm not buying this. He got into it with a teammate or whatever because – Joe, we know, both know this. Fights happen a lot when you work closely with somebody, let alone a physical sport. So th- this idea that whatever, you know, you hear it all the time, right, in sports. 
and stuff maybe comes out later after the fact. But this idea that Michael Thomas isn't playing because he got into it with somebody on the team, I'm just not buying. There's something going on here. And it's kind of like, it's kind of, I don't know the word that I would use, but it's like the idea that they're not talking about it. We don't have any explanation about it. No one's holding Sean Payton to the fire. Like we're just pretending that this guy who has been basically supposedly coming back from an injury for four weeks now, just like can't get help. Like the idea that we're, that like we're letting him off the hook on, yeah, he's still just not ready. He's just not ready. He's just not ready. It's, it's bullshit. Breeze's go-to guy. Yeah. He's one of the best receivers in the league. Yeah. Arguably, arguably the best last year. Yeah. Something's up, man. Is this and, and, and they're and they're in a battle for that for that division now. Yeah, I agree. You, you, you know, I don't know. I think something's going to come out soon, but you just don't throw all that money at that guy and have him be that good and have him just continue to sit because of some BS injury or some scuffle he got into. Do you think practice. this is a Drew Brees offseason comments? Like, do you think that there's a, I don't want to play with this racist white guy thing anymore? No, maybe it's QAnon. <laughs> Is that, did, I, did I pronounce that correctly? Sure. Bro, the internet's a crazy place nowadays. It's a cesspool of garbage. You can, you can go down some, some rabbit holes. But yeah, I'll be curious to see what, what comes out of that. Your boy Aaron Rodgers looked great yesterday, and goddamn was Devontae Adams simply amazing. Played just phenomenal. The the I, I feel like, and look, I obviously can admit when I'm wrong, and and uh, there's, you know, it took it took the Steelers being the last undefeated team for me to say like, yeah, they're legit, and that's just look, it is what it is. I mean, I I don't even necessarily think it's kind of admitting when you're wrong. It's just like, I, I'm just going to tell you what I see. You know, the one thing I don't understand, it, it seems like the Packers are still getting this from a lot of people. Like, I think the Packers have looked fantastic. Obviously they have, they have a, they have one loss to bad loss to the bucks. Um, but why, why are people sleeping on the Packers still? I, you know, I don't know if people are. You know, I, I said it right, even myself. I after that I said we all have bad weeks. It yeah. happens all the time. You know, to me, they're still the most complete team in the NFC. Defense. Let's do, let's do this. Who are your legit NFC contenders? Who do you think from the NFC could appear in the Super Bowl? Obviously, no NFC East team. Yeah. Packers from the North, do you think the Bears could legitimately end up in the Super Bowl? I mean, their defense would have to really take it even farther next level. I'm going to say no. Okay. From the South, you think the Bucs could end up in the Super Bowl? I do. The Saints, if they figure out a Mike Thomas? Yeah, they figure out the Mike Thomas situation. Otherwise, I think we kind of agree, probably not. Yeah. Uh, the West... I mean, we've got your Seahawks. No. You don't think the Seahawks could appear in the Super Bowl? Mm -hmm. Not with their defense playing the way they played last night? Not even close. That defense is 
awful. I mean, they showed that stat of them only getting 20% pressure. They're only one out of every five plays. They're, we're not even talking sacks, pressure. That defense is so porous, no chance in hell. Rams or Niners? I'd, I'd still put more money on the Niners than the Seahawks right now. Because to me, they're a more complete team, even with all the injuries. So, is, do you think that the Niners are the most complete team of the of the NFC West at this point? Well, well, it's crazy. You, you know, the Cardinals. Obviously, we're going to get a look at the Rams tonight that we haven't got. Yeah, like, this, this is a big test. This is this kind of make or break for the Rams and the Bears. I, I, in some way, at least if one of them comes out and really shows us something. Look, man, I, I I'm I like the Cardinals a lot. I, I think, obviously, losing uh, – God, why, why is his name forgetting me? The, the, the defensive lineman they lost. On the Chandler Cardinals? Jones? J- okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Losing him was huge to the D-line. But, you know, and they gave up a lot of points. Like the first half last night, where they gave up like 375 yards to Seahawks, and they, and, yeah. they, and they picked it up in the second half. But I don't know. I'm just – the Rams are an interesting team because they've only beaten the NFC East teams. Right. The, the, for, again, tonight the Rams and the Bears will have to show us something one way or the other, unless it's somehow a medium pizza bowl. But we go back to the Packers, which we were talking about. They look great. Dominated that game from start to finish. Rodgers looked great. Devontae Adams, after last week, comes back last week. Seemed like they forced him the ball a little bit. Maybe wasn't uh, all the way back. In a way, besides the pressure that they were getting on Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, it's like to me that was a big factor in the game. I mean, they say, you know, Vince Lombardi says five big plays in every football game determine everything. I just thought there was a couple of plays in that Packers Bucks game that go the other way, and it's at least it's close, and then yeah. anything can happen. Um, Devontae Adams, another week back, and he looks great. They clearly have a connection. Uh, I, 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 I think the Packers are a tough out for basically anybody in the NFC East or sorry, in the NFC. Yeah. It's going to be a tough out, especially if it happens in green Bay and, you know, in a January. Now we can move on to the Cardinals uh, Seahawks game, which I know you were heavily invested in as a big time fan of basically all the teams in the NFC West. Well, I'm obviously a big time fan of Russ and I think we're both big time fans of, what uh, Kyler Murray's been able to do and how he is progressing as a player. Look, that was a weird game uh, because – Which is the Seahawks basically only play. Yeah. You know, the Seahawks dominate offensively. Again, their defense is trash. Uh, Russ throws a few awful interceptions. One – Metcalf's – I mean – I mean, he's, that, game does, that game's not even in overtime if the Terminator doesn't hunt down – you know, Buddha on that interception. I mean, I don't know how many times I watched that. It was insane. It was incredible. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. So I went back in the last few weeks. He's a machine. He literally, it was like a Terminator. It, it was. It was Terminator 2. Yeah. I went, I went back and I looked at all the stuff on Metcalf in the last few weeks as far as the scouting and the drafting. That he that he fell to the second round is it's still mind boggling. Like questions about his when you have a physical specimen like him, the big question was about like his route running and stuff. Like 
Yeah. Sometimes these guys overthink it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Ross had some, but really you know what? It's also a good situation obviously for him. And like, I, I don't know if we're talking about DK Metcalf like this, if he doesn't fall and he's on the Browns, sure. you know what I mean? But, but I think he is a, 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 an absolute freak specimen and he's shown that on numerous occasions, he's just bigger, faster, stronger than every single person that lines up against him. And it's not close. Yeah. Look, obviously, you know, Russ had some great throws and he had some horrific throws. And, and I think the Russ thing yesterday was a tale of two halves. Obviously, he looked great in the first half. And then this is, this is, I mean, I think he still throws for three touchdowns. I think he's, I think he's got like a, a five touchdown lead maybe on, on Rodgers for, you know, in the passing leaders. Like he's still obviously very much in the MVP conversation. But I think the Cardinals coming with pressure late in the game, special fourth quarter and overtime, Russ was bad. Just bottom line, Russ was bad in the fourth quarter and overtime. Took a bunch of sacks after not taking a sack the entire game, bunch of pressures, throws a pick to lose the game essentially. Like it's I think when you look at the Seahawks, they they flash a stat that, that and I know everybody loves to for some reason kind of criticize Pete Carroll, but that's the first time they've ever lost a game like up four late in the game or whatever. They were like 56 and zero under Pete Carroll, like some crazy thing. Like yeah. Pete Carroll doesn't do the, the meltdown. Like no. he, he wins close games straight up. He yeah. wins close games. He's a good coach. And uh, I, I think that in the end, like they just, the Cardinals offense, obviously a lot of weapons, Kyler Murray and, and Hopkins connection is, you know, otherworldly at this point. I mean, I don't know if you saw the clip of him smiling when he sees DeAndre Hopkins in one-on-one before he throws that pass. They, they love each other. They got, he's got Fitzgerald, a nice little, you know, security blanket. But the, I think the, the difference in this game was the way that they changed their pressure late in the game. They start showing one thing, doing another, showing the middle blitz, then not yeah. blitzing, then blitzing. Middle. I mean, in the fourth quarter and overtime, there was things where Russ just, you know, held the ball a little too long, took a couple sacks, to, you know, made a couple bad throws because he was under pressure. Still very much in the MVP race, but like a lot of factors in that game. But I think his late play hurt them. Well, yeah, he, he definitely played poorly. Uh, the, the tactics of Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator for the Cardinals, for sure. The way he brought pressure, pressure, the way he schemed, the way he disguised pressure, definitely messed with Russ. I, I do have a couple coaching, not to like nitpick, but on both sides. You know, the Seahawks are winning. It's third and two. You're at a little, little over a minute and change. I just, Joe, I hate the tailback dive. I, I, I just, you know, Carson's not in. He's hurt. I, I just you have when you have a guy like Russ, why are you not doing some sort of rollout or QB bootleg? You know what I'm saying? Like like in that play, what is Russ' strength that he can be mobile, he can run with his legs, he can maybe avoid guys and then do a quick dump off? I hated, absolutely hated that series because it was three straight handoffs. To me, it was old Seattle. 
And I get that Russ wasn't playing his best ball at that point. But you know what I'm saying? Like, to me, Russ can do a, a two-yard dump out to Olsen or Disley or Hollister or Lockett. You, you name it. I, I just – I hate that play call. And on the other end, I felt the same way. I felt both at the end and then also in overtime, like, Kingsbury's being so conservative with yeah. his runs. And I'm saying, dude, your kicker just missed a field goal. Or even before overtime, you know what I'm saying? Like I felt Seattle's defense is suspect. You're you're well, so. I, th- I think I think you know the the Kingsbury runs, especially late in the game, they kind of answer your your question about the Seahawks, which is when you have these mobile quarterbacks, and when it seems so obvious that you can pass, and when you're going to have a linebacker that can't, you know, be attacking your running back because he has to be spying your quarterback because at any moment he could get out and slide. Sometimes taking advantage of of that by running the ball in, in sort of obvious passing or mobile quarterback situations can work. Obviously Kingsbury late in the game, uh, you know, they, they get that, they get that nice run, which was crazy. They get that nice run and they have to spike the ball with two seconds left, just to kick a field goal. But like, that was a, that was in a way a ballsy run, you know, sure. like that you, that you have to get up and you have to spike the ball there. And I think that's a great example of the situation that, you know, Pete Carroll or Schottenheimer or whatever is trying to take advantage of, which is when you need two yards and everybody thinks that you're going to pass it, running the ball is easy to do. Obviously, it doesn't work out. Now, uh, my, my problem with Kingsbury conservative-wise was in, in that overtime, like the, the kicking on second down, like why don't you just drive down and score a touchdown if you can? Yeah, and, and then and then they're going with long field goal on second down. I actually like the field goal kick on third down, especially if you're, especially if you're within ten yards of what you think your kicker's distance is, because then if you have a seven yard bad snap and you've got to spike it, and just you know do it again, okay, fine. But kicking on second, like how how much do you not trust your offense not to take a loss where you're going to kick a ball on second down? And it almost yeah. cost them the game. Yeah, and again, because their offense was pretty much moving the ball at will. Uh, but, hey, at the end of the day, it's a huge win for them. Yeah. A huge win for Kyler Murray and for Cliff Kingsbury and that team. You know, they're not 5-2. and two. I mean, they're right in the thick of it in that division and without a doubt the best division in the NFL. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's going to get really competitive, right, with all those teams. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we didn't really talk about the, the Niners game. Obviously, we talked about the Patriots and, and their lack, but the Niners are putting it together and putting it together quickly. And they really look like they were down and out. I mean, obviously, they've gotten a lot of injuries, but they're right back in the mix now. Well, Seattle plays the Niners next week in yeah. Seattle. And, and, yeah. and again, my, my look, Seattle's defense is awful. It, it's bad. Like, I wouldn't be shocked. Seattle started five and zero. This wouldn't shock me if Seattle finished like eleven, 11 and five. five. Like if they go six and five down the way, because the competition gets way harder. There's only so many. There's only so much your offense could do. And, you know, I think Collinsworth said it best. Like when when Seattle's offense dominates, like how they did in the first half, and you're like, wait, they're only up ten. Right. Like when you put up 375 yards of offense. So I don't know. I mean, look. I think not having Jamal Adams hurts them a lot. 
Yeah, I was going to say their, you know, their defense has to be better and their defense has to be better. And I uh, like, again, this is not me criticizing uh, your boy and everybody wants me. Everybody loves to hate on me for, you know, my, my Russ comments, but everybody wants to let Russ cook. I don't think that there could be, there's any worse strategy for the Seahawks winning a game than Russ throwing the ball 50 times. So that's really not on their offense as much as it's on their defense. But you, that's not what you want. That's not how Seattle's going to win games. Well, I don't that's want any quarterback, Se- to be honest, throwing 50 times. Right. I, don't want, I don't want Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball 50 times. I'm a Packers fan. Right. But, but I just think, to me, the, that is on their defense. Like that, that means that their defense isn't stopping anybody. But at the same time, it's like what makes the Seahawks and what makes Russ great is the running game, and then him being able to go downfield off of play action. And once you get into a straight up, we're dropping back and we're passing game. Now pressure is being brought. Now everything's like, it, it just totally changes their offense and it takes away his superpower, you know? And I just think that that's, you, you can't have that. And that starts with you being able to stop somebody. Yeah. I mean, regardless, that was definitely one of the most entertaining games we've all seen in a while. It was awesome. But- especially with the jinxing themselves with the timeout. And, and, and it was going on. It was going on precisely as the baseball game was ending. A lot of sports happening there. I was going yeah. on two TVs. No, I know it was, it was, it was a wild week and it was a great way to end um, a wild Sunday. But uh, Joe, now it's time to move on to our all time favorite underdog success story. Movement watches, Joe. Did you get your watch? Got my, oh, these, got- these, are my, these are my movement sunglasses right here. I watch, my watch is in another room, but I'm rocking. I got, I got my movement sunglasses here. I got my watch and I got my sunglasses. Guys, we love our movement watches. We love our movement sunglasses. Movement was founded on the belief that style shouldn't break the bank. Prano, get this. They've sold almost 2 million watches worldwide by bringing quality designs at fair prices. Let's see what I you love got movement. there. I love movement. I got these. I forget. I forget the, the, what they're called, but they're these are the uh, the highball sunglasses. I got a little tortoise shell frames. So this is what I got right here. I got my watch is the Odyssey Axiom Axion. I'm sorry. And then I got sounds like a space shuttle. Look at this. Look how great this watch looks. Yeah. And then I got a pair of a- aviators. They're the Runaway aviators. Look at these. Look how fresh I look in these. They look like Maverick. I mean, I, I just give me an F. What is he? F fourteen? Is that what he flies in the movie? Sure. F sixteen. Give me one of those, guys. Look how great we look. Movement is a great gift. It truly is because you know what? You don't have to break the bank when you get any of their products. It's a great gift for a loved one, family member, friend. You name it. Movement watches start at just ninety five dollars. You're looking at $400 for the same quality from a, of a, from a traditional brand. They've sold almost 2 million watches in over 160 countries. Right now, Dirtballs, you get 50, 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to movement.com forward slash dirty. That's MVMT.com forward slash dirty. Movement's launching their new styles on their site all the time. So check out the latest at movement.com 
So go to movement.com forward slash dirty, join the movement. I am such a big fan of movement watches and movement sunglasses. They have men's stuff and women's stuff now. I think it was mostly men's when we first started with movement. So really guys, you know, I always talk about with my, with my football picks about value, about how there's some, some picks that you, you might not think this is a winner, but the value is there. You got to, the value on these movement watches and these movement sunglasses, it, it truly is like really fancy stuff for like a value price. If you're trying to get your mom, your dad, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, uh, a gift for the holidays, yeah. a, a, a watch for a hundred dollars, a watch for $125, not to mention our 15% off a pair of sunglasses for a hundred bucks that look like legit designer sunglasses. I mean, if you're not shopping for Christmas presents on movement, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Movement.com forward slash dirty. So definitely check that out. Okay. Prano, the world series. Wow. This has been a wild one, huh? Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's fun. Three, I like it. Three, two Dodger lead after the most epic wild ending that I've seen in a long time after game four, when the Rays come back, uh, the most Ruther esque thing ever happened. The most Ruther esque. Yeah. That night. Well, tell me, you know, I'm hanging out with someone and then, uh, I'm really tired and they had to walk their dog. And I said, the ninth inning just started. I go, the Dodgers are going to win. I go, I go, I go, if you're heading out to walk your dog, I'm just going to leave at the same time. <laughs> I go, Dodgers won. Nothing's going to happen. I'm driving home. I get a text. A, it was a one run game. <laughs> it, 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 it was a one run game. And for the last seven half innings, somebody had scored a run. I know. That's why it was the most Ruther esque thing ever. Me being like, is Ruther esque now just a synonym for fucking stupid? Yeah. It was like, the Dodgers are going to win. I'm tired. I want to go home. Driving home, get a text. Uh, you might want to check out what happened at the end of the Dodgers game. It, it, it was, I mean, obviously, you know, he go, the, Roberts goes to Jansen, reckless in my opinion, and I, can, I could go down that path if you wanted me to. Um, but blows the save. But then the reckless base running duffed, you know, play at the plate. He scores after he falls down. I mean, that was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Ever. It gave me flashbacks, you know, to the to the throw in the Mets World Series game where where Darno couldn't catch it, and and obviously they lose the World Series on that play. But the guy falling down the third baseline, all you have to do is stop the ball. You don't even have to catch it. You just have to keep it in front of you, and you at least go to extra innings. And, they, I mean, he scores wild, makes it 2-2. Obviously, Dodgers go up 3-2 last night with a great performance by Kershaw. They escape. Now, like, let me go back. The, the, the Dave Roberts take, like, you have played – somebody has scored a run every half inning. The idea that you're not going to save a guy and the, also the idea that, that, that Jansen's even better in this situation than leaving – Graterall in or whatever, Gatorall, whatever the, I don't know how to pronounce it, Gatterall, Gratterall. Um, it, it was reckless and it cost them the game. Uh, they get to 
game five, they get a great Kershaw performance. They get a win. That one was close. I mean, this is a back and forth series. And now you've got potentially Bueller on short rest for game six. And you're going, you know, you're sort of going bullpen game, which I could argue either way. I think that's got to be a conversation that you have with Bueller if you're, if you're Dave Roberts and maybe he did, although it doesn't seem like it the way he announced it, that he did. Um, but I, I love the Rays' chances of getting into a game seven. Yeah. Well, Kershaw's played great. He's pitched great. I should say, he, you know, he's finally for the most part, somewhat getting rid of those demons. Right. I mean, I, I, I think I saw this stat. that's the first time he's won two He's gotten two wins in a postseason round. Yeah. So there, so, was, there was some truth to the, you know, postseason failure for sure. But obviously, he also has the most strikeouts in postseason history now. Like, he's been there. The, the Kershaw postseason woes, it's like he's been there so much that he's actually pitched pretty great overall. It's just he's got a – because he's been there so much, he's got more than – a normal amount of kind of meltdown games as well. Yeah. Well, but he's think, done. He, you know, unless, unless there's a game seven need to, I, I still don't even think you probably get a Kershaw bullpen appearance, but uh, he's basically done. He's done his job. He's gotten you two world series wins. And now you've got, to, look, it would, it would line up for a Bueller Morton game seven. I know that's getting ahead of ourselves. But if you're the Rays, your goal obviously has to be to get to – like, we'll worry about that when we get there. But you got to kind of get through this Dodgers bullpen game. Yeah. And that's it. And it's a dangerous game to play because Roberts has gone to the bullpen a lot. And this is a scrappy Rays team. The more they see these bullpen guys, the better off that they're going to be. you got to go Bueller game, game six. How can you not? I'm they're sure not. Rest. He's they're not. not. No. It's, it's, going, it's, it's already announced. Goslin. Goslin, or whatever his name is. Ryan Gosling is pitching for the yeah, Dodgers? Yeah. Kate, oh. Kate, Kate Goslin plus eight. <laughs> Look, we all know how suspect Roberts is. And you and I have said it all along. If they win the World Series, well, neither of us are ready to give him any credit. They're going to win in spite of Dave Roberts. Yeah. And I think, I think you know, at this point, sort of – I, we've argued with a lot of Dodgers fans over the years, but it seems like most people are on that train yeah. at this point. I mean, Chabelli's now on board, you know, uh, like, and he was, he was the most adamant Roberts defender. Um, so at, at this point, I think everybody agrees. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And as much as I like this Rays team, this Dodgers team is stacked. They're so loaded. The idea that you're going in, you know, going into a game six, three, two. We've been here before Dodgers fans. And there's like, no, there's no lead safe. Yeah. And, and, and there's no reason it should be. It's you're, you're, you're absolutely stacked. Like winning in spite of Dave Roberts is obvious at this point. How much weed does Cody Bellinger smoke, by the way? Is he not the ultimate bro? Yeah. I don't need, I, I, I honestly think he's, he's such a like, modern professional athlete bro that like i bet you he doesn't smoke any weed i bet you he's like 
rubbing it into his pores and like cream and taking pills and like he's just like yeah man you don't know about weed bracelets dog you just wear this bracelet and the weed just goes right in your bloodstream it's crazy you don't have to mess with your lungs and, and is it just me because you know the doctor he clearly me. seems high the whole time yeah he seems high it's like in, it's like in his pine tar you know like i just feel like everything cody bellinger like you know it's in the the headband he wears like it's just going into his bloodstream in various forms they're all bros, Cody and Corey. Like, 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 Seeger have. Is it just me? Like, I've seen him mature before our eyes, like, like facially. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, he was such a baby face when he joined the Dodgers, and he still and is. He, but, but and I'm he just filled seeing, out. He filled out size wise. Yeah. Who's yeah. your MVP? And he's been he's been insane. He, is he your MVP? Ah, uh, yeah, absolutely. The Dodgers win. Yeah. He's, he's been, been incredible. He's been so clutch. Yeah. Obviously, Mookie's been great, too. Bellinger's been great. Kershaw got you two wins. But I just think, yeah, Seager, it's hard to argue Turner's had a great series as well. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They are stacked. The idea that this is where it is, again, you know, I don't think Dave Roberts should be winning manager of the year anytime soon. Yeah. What, what, what do you think? You like this Fox crew, right? I do, yeah. I know everybody hates Joe Buck, but – I like I like this Fox crew, well, but I, even I, the studio is what I'm saying. The studio crew. Oh yeah, yeah, they're awesome. And uh, I got to say, last night what was really funny, and we sh- I guess we should talk about the play too, is let's talk about what what was John Smoltz's career like that he doesn't remember a guy stealing trying to steal home on him <laughs> in a World Series. He, does, he, has, he has no recollection of it. It's unbelievable. That's, that's Joe Prano esque. You don't remember it. You don't even remember it? He's like, well, you're bringing it up. Like, I must have been there. He's like, Joe Buck's like, you were on the mound. He's like, I was? How does he not remember that? And it's, uh, it's there's like the a anti-LeBron. Lot, yeah. There's a lot of talk about that decision by Margot to try to steal. I loved it. And oh, it's great. I, I loved it for a couple of reasons. I mean, I know to run yourself out of that inning is kind of crazy. But that play was awfully close. And it had to go like for him to do it the way he did it. uh, Kershaw had to do everything right in that big windup he has to step off, not balk, make a decent throw at home with enough speed on it to throw him out. And he was still almost safe. And also, you know, you kind of got to double down on the reckless base running. He shouldn't have advanced to third on that. Like, I mean, if if he had gotten up and gone right away, it wouldn't have been close. But the idea that he recklessly ran, he waited for Taylor to have the ball before he goes to third. I'm I'm almost like, okay, you kind of should have been thrown out at third. You're playing with house money. Go for it. And also, even though it, you know, obviously kind of cost them the inning and may potentially cost them a run, the momentum swing that could have come from it being successful, I, I love the play. I you loved got, it. I love it. You got to be aggressive, man. Yeah. You're the underdog. I, I, I mean, being, being aggressive on the base pass and running yourself out of innings is generally a very, very bad idea. But again, you're playing with house money. You shouldn't have even been on third base. You got there with aggressive base running. And just, you are the underdog in this. And the momentum potential of stealing home on a what – it, what it could have done to Kershaw is just almost – worth the reward you know worth the risk i should say yeah 
I will. I love say. it. I really hope we get a game seven. I really do. You know, obviously I'm rooting for the Rays. Um, but even if I weren't, even if it was just whatever, even though I was rooting for the Dodgers, like minimally, I just want a game seven. I want Morton Bueller. I hope the baseball gods give it to us. Um, that's what I'm rooting for. I don't care who wins. I'd rather that, you know, the Dodgers win as long as we, as long as I can sign up for a game seven. It has been weird without fans at a world series. Yeah. Although there's plenty of fans there. Plenty. How many fans do you think are there? I don't 20,000. No. You don't think so? Not even close. Oh, I feel like there's a lot of fans there. And you can hear them. I bet it's like 10,000. You able to find the attendance? I'm going to look it up right now. I, I, I just, I mean, 20,000. That place probably seats around. Game five, ha- Game five had 11,437. Okay. So, yeah, they're loud. It's Dodgers fans. You can tell. Yeah. I imagine the Rays' 11 fans aren't traveling. <laughs> oh, such a weird state of sports without the whole fan thing, right? Yeah. Isn't it going to be weird when you can just go to a game? I, you know, I, I'm interested to see, like, when that happens without restrictions. And then also, like, what percentage of the people, I mean, I, I think you and I are sort of in the, we're, we're on one side of the fence, but we're also the kind of people that are like, we'll probably go back to sporting events at some point, but there are people, I don't want to say left of us, but there are people on, on the more cautious side of us that like, yeah. what percentage of fans do you think just like never go to a sporting event again? There's gotta be a small percentage of those people. I think that's going to be very small that like never go again. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I'm going to be cautious. Of course. Um, I have learned that uh, people in Ohio do not know how to wear masks. Yeah. It goes over the nose. <laughs> not, not just the mouth and under the chin. Yeah. Over the nose. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, it's like, why are you half-assing it? It's okay. still a thing, man. It's still it, – it's, it's crazy that we're still here. It's still a political decision. It's just mind-boggling that we even have to say that. But it's still a thing. There's still – every day I see a new Karen or, you know, Kyle video of some guys or girls upset, getting yelled at at a store, tearing things apart. Like, it's, it's just wild. It's like – and to me, it's – I just go – I just want to go to a baseball game again. I yeah. just like, can we, can we all just play ball for lack of a better term? Can we play ball for like a month and just see what happens? Like we tried it your way, guys. We tried yeah. it your way. And uh, cases are on the rise everywhere. Can we just try We Can we flip the script? Can we try it the other way a little bit? Yeah. And obviously like for me, it's, just, it's, it's so close to home. I know uh, personally that it's like, I, I don't know. Like, like I, I don't want to say stuff, but it's, 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 I'll be fully honest here. It's really tough if I see somebody not wearing a mask when they should to not say something. Um, and it's, it's not even about lecturing or being mad. It's like, dude, my dad died because of this, you know, you know, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's such a simple thing, but I agree with you. I, I think, I mean, I think that's what, to be totally honest with you, I think that's what makes some people just bad people. 
is because everybody at this point knows somebody or knows somebody who knows somebody like this ain't Kevin Bacon. This isn't, this isn't the Kevin Bacon game. We're not six degrees away at this point. You either know somebody personally or you absolutely know somebody who knows somebody personally. So to be two degrees and still do it, you're a fucking asshole. That's yeah. it. This is this is no this is no longer a science decision. This is no longer a I don't believe. This is no longer I'm sick of breathing my own CO2. You're a fucking asshole. The end. And yeah. and look, I I've always been the kind of person that says just embrace that. Just say I'm an asshole. Just say I'm a piece of shit asshole. But like don't don't do anything else. Don't that when you're you're just a worse person for making some stupid argument. Well, did you, did you see the thing? And I put this on the rundown and I don't want to go too far into it, but I do find it interesting how it's just been buried about the Jacksonville Jaguars running back. No, I, I mean, I know there was a guy there that, that's basically missed the majority of the season so far or got it. Raquel, Raquel Armstead. Not only did he get COVID-19, he's gone to the hospital. Like it's serious. Yeah. He's been hospitalized twice. From a variety of complications connected to the virus, significant respiratory illnesses. I guess it's just weird that the Jacksonville Jaguars have a 75-year-old running back. <laughs> oh, oh, can affect young people? Oh, okay. It's 23. Okay, just, just want to. It's just, I sent that to my brother today. I said, it is pretty interesting how that story has, and obviously he's not a big name, but that a 23-year-old has been hospitalized. 23-year-old professional athlete, world-class professional athlete. He was supposed to be getting the main amount of carries at running back for the Jags this year when they traded Fournette. It is amazing that, like, no one's talking. Like like you said, 23-year-old running back. Well, here we are, Andy. We're talking about it. We're the Corona Bros. I mean, I'm still cautious as hell. I mean, and you have I don't to. Do, I don't do anything. I don't yeah. do anything. They, uh, like, I, I don't take my mask off on the golf course till I'm on the second tee. And uh, that's it. That's my life. Yeah. What is it like to me? It's like, what is there to do? Like, I get wings delivered to home. I eat them. I eat, I'll, I'll go to like an outdoor spot. But like, you see, you see some of these things. And to me, it's like, I don't even like, it's not even a thing that where it's like, it doesn't affect me that much because it's just like, like, why would I, like, why would I put myself in this situation? I don't need to go bowling, man. Yeah. Well, well, it's, it's just funny because I'm a comedian. The whole industry is over. I'm not going like, we need to do something. We need indoor open mics. I need to talk about don't you hate it when you just said it's over. It's it's on hold. Well, I mean, it, it's on hold. Yeah. It's on hold. Like Antonio Brown's career was on hold. Like it was over until something changes. You're sounding a little pessimistic, Joe. I'm actually curious. Like, like what do you think the future of standup comedy is? Well, I think, or know, should I say the future of standup comedy in Los Angeles or New I, York I mean, City. I think, look, if, if there's anybody out there who's watching the Comedy Store documentary on Showtime, if there's anybody who follows all the clubs in New York, like 
the comedy sellers, you know, widely considered the greatest comedy club in the world. Um, it's New York and LA, the, the, the stuff in between, like, it's great. And I hope to one day return to work in middle America as, you know, a road comic, but that it like that, that is a tentacle of the comedy industry. The comedy industry itself is New York and Los Angeles. And until we hear anything about potentially work, I mean, New York and LA, we can't do comedy shows outside. Yeah. I mean, until we start getting the ball rolling on anything, it's like, it's it, like, it's in a coma, you know, yeah. it's not dead, sure. but it ain't, it ain't in the hospital. It's in a coma. Yeah. Like, you know, we haven't even started about talking. I mean, sports, we have 11,000 fans at a World Series game. They're playing the games. Like, we're not doing anything. And like Zoom and all that is not a thing. And like, obviously, I did a, a drive in show a couple of weeks ago, but that's like just one of those. Yeah. No, I, and I, th- I think it's good for people to hear, you know, from your vantage point. And I agree. The epicenter of stand up comedy for the world is New York and Los Angeles. And, and I, like I said, if you know, and watch it, the documentary, but like this, the things that come from those places, the comedy store, or, the improv, the laugh factory, yeah, the comedy, the seller. comedy seller, all that stuff. It, it, it's, you know, culture is, is birthed there. And, and yeah, a lot of people go on to work the road from there, but that it's far less important than just like the, ideas that come out of there yeah what's really sad is i don't think people understand not just comedy as well music the the birth of so many great acts and bands that came out of the (coughs) sunset strip (coughs) yeah in los angeles and those are obviously all shut down as well and it's like it's a serious scary time because we've never seen anything like this and I don't yeah. think people understand that, you know, the birth of all these great bands that came out of those venues on Sunset Boulevard and a lot of them are going to be shut down. Maybe they could go somewhere else, you know, we could start a new boom in a different city, but yeah, man, it's, it's like, I'm curious to see what happens and we all hope for the best, but it's a mess. Yeah. Do you want to wrap up the show with this last Michael Jordan story? Sure. It's kind of an I told you so for me and you. I think the, the I'll let you do it. Why don't you give us the headline and then. The headline is Michael Jordan says he wouldn't survive the NBA during the social media era. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Gambling at 3 a.m. the night before a playoff game in Atlantic City, like – you know, doing God knows what, and then trying to cover it up with like a, I mean, can you imagine the, the pizza hut guys these days, like how quickly would the pizza hut guys be on Twitter and Instagram with like a picture of his Michael Jordan's order after he shows up hung over to a basketball game and is claiming like food poisoning and the flu and all this. I mean, just, just having to answer the questions forever. We've been calling it the flu game. 25 years later, we're talking about it being (laughs) food poisoning. And blaming like a, like none of that stuff gets through 
these days without having to answer a million questions about it. Yeah, so, so Michael Jordan recently told uh, Alex Kennedy of Basketball News, Tiger played at his peak somewhere toward the end of my career. Then what changed from that time frame to now is social media, Twitter and all those types of things. And that has invaded the personalities and personal time of individuals. Jordan went on to say, it's to the point where some people have to be able to utilize to their financial gain and things of that nature, of course. He says, but for someone like myself, and this is what Tiger deals with, I don't know if I could have survived this Twitter era where you don't have the privacy that you'd want and what seems to be very innocent can always be misinterpreted. Yeah. And some things that are not innocent, like you punching your teammates in the face and like that, that's the kind of thing where it's like, there's no way, like he, he's answering questions about that the second it happened and he's doing it for a week. Like he can't do it. You just can't do it. I mean, obviously, you know, we can all say Michael Jordan would have shifted. He's the greatest competitor of all time, whatever, you know, but like he would have learned to shoot the three. He would have learned not to be such a scumbag and punching teammates. It's like, he basically admitting is like, I, I think what Michael Jordan's saying and the headline is one thing is just like, he certainly couldn't have been himself the way he acted then in this era. It would have sure. eaten him alive. And that's not just Jordan. You know, that's anybody who played in his era, the Charles Barkleys and whoever you want to name. I, I think it's important. The reason I bring this up is you and I have said that. What we hate is, this, like to me, this is not a Jordan-LeBron discussion. It's more of the notion that these guys are so soft and our argument back, which I think is a very good one and logical one, is that these guys are under such a big microscope now, people in general, not just athletes, more yeah. than ever. So when even the best player on name a team goes out and does something stupid in the nightclub or at the local grocery store, somebody's going to post it on TikTok. Twitter, Instagram, you name it. And that, that is the point is that these guys do have so much more scrutiny. And, and it also goes to the argument of like, and, and, you know, you're, I got to say, you're in a way part of this crowd, but like the people are just like, I can't take the LeBron politics stuff and him being outspoken. It's like what, what people don't understand is like in a way at his level, he has to, because LeBron James today saying Republicans buy shoes too, and thinking that that lasts, you know, an afternoon in the media cycle is a, that, like that, that derails LeBron's career. If he says that it does, that, 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 that becomes its whole own thing. Like that's well, an E60 piece. If I, LeBron says that quote. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that or that he has to be vocal and, and that's fine. We can disagree on those things. I, I do think the point again, and I got into a huge, just huge back and forth as I always do with my older brother about this. Cause he's such a LeBron fan. I'm sorry, Jordan fan. And I'm like, dude, this isn't, I was like, you're not getting it. it all we're saying is no one's denying Michael Jordan's mental toughness in the basketball court. No one's denying. I would never deny. I mean, it. I am a little bit. 
oh, okay. <laughs> but but you know, we'll we'll save that. We'll save retiring twice from physically and emotionally spent. We'll save that for a different. But the, but that's the argument I was using to my brother. I'm talking about like on the court. No one's denying right. what Michael Jordan did and his greatness. All I was saying to my brother was stop saying how he's the toughest, most mentally, you know, strong competitor ever when, when he's, he, when he's on the record of saying he's not, when he retired because he didn't like questions and yeah. all, and all I was trying to say to my brother, which it was like a heated back and forth text that should have been done in person, to be honest. All I was saying was, look, dude, these guys get so much more shit. All of them, all the time, like, like they are different eras. But let's, let's all agree that you're under such a constant microscope that maybe it was easier to play because you could go to the nightclub or you could go golfing or you could get hookers and no one knew about it or yeah. whatever. You could yeah, hop absolutely. on a motorcycle and then, you know, with a beer – and that didn't leak till 20 years later. I mean, yeah. like, we, like we saw in the last dance. It's just, that's all I was trying to say. And, and obviously we both agree here. I, I just, I hate the notion, Joe, and this is me sticking up for the younger crowd, the millennials and, uh, you know, extennials or whatever you want to call them at that age. This is me saying, stop. Extennials? I think that's one too. Jesus. I don't, I don't need to learn more words. I think I'm, I'm learning words. I'm 41. I'm not learning any more words. I think I'm technically an extennial. But my, 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 my point is, stop saying these guys are so weak when literally every single thing they do is dissected. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, the whole week, that's just, it's such an old head art. Like, I just, the weak thing is, I've never given that credit for one second, ever. Oh, they're weak. They're pussies. They're flopped. They whatever. It's like that's that's just all. That's the way the game's gone. And honestly, you know, Michael Jordan is as much of the face of that as anybody. Like, you want to start the ball rolling somewhere? Like, go back to the go back to the dream team picture where you know Magic makes fun of Michael. Like, you're not allowed to get within. He's talking about socially distancing from Michael so he doesn't get called for a foul. Like, this is the way it's always been the like stars get the calls and the flop, the, the flopping star to go to the free throw line. Like that's, that's from Michael Jordan. Like I just yeah. think the whole, the whole wimpy, weak, pussy, soft, whatever. It's like, that's just something that people. And again, that's the internet being a cesspool people who have never competed at any sort of high level calling out other people. It's like, bro, I don't care what you think you, you, you don't, You've never been there once. Yeah, it's 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 like I, I don't know. We're not comparing somebody working in a coal mine to somebody who works, you know, in IT. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, because because you could say, okay, that person's tougher, or that you know what I'm saying? Like, what they deal with day to day. We're still talking about professional athletes. It's yeah. it's like I I just never understood. It's like saying was Dick Butkus tougher than Ray Lewis. It's like, well, what does that mean? Yeah. Cause one was going against more improved, stronger, faster athletes. I don't know. But yeah, yeah, and one guy was a murderer. <laughs> I don't know where murderers are on the toughness scale, but usually probably pretty high. Maybe not the best example to use for that yeah. situation. Uh, uh, Dick Buckus was pretty tough, but like 
How many how many bodies does he have? <laughs> What's his body count, dog? I mean, Dick Buckus was on my two dads. Ray Lewis killed two dads. <laughs> I mean, Dick, Ray Lewis going on my two dads. Paul Reiser's in a body bag, dog. Well, that's the perfect way to end the show. <laughs> Dirtballs, you can subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, drop your Twitter handle. My stuff apparently has arrived at the local Beachmont Avenue U-Haul, so I will have access to koozies again to get them sent out. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to go visit that in the next day or two and get to my, uh, my U-Box. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Dirty Sports. You can follow my tweets about punching children at Andy Ruther. He's back, baby. Joe, where can they follow you? And uh, At Joe Prano on Instagram, at Fix Your Life on Twitter. Rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Uh, you know, uh, Andy was talking about before, like, the only thing that's keeping me not from just shutting it all down is, like, this podcast is still going. We are still plugging along, and we need you guys more than ever. Share the show with somebody. Tell people about it. Uh, until comedy's back, this is this is what we're doing. In the meantime, go listen to some old Joe Prano comedy. It's all over the free streaming services now: Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora. Joe Prano takes a stand. Is out there with some of my other clips. So go do that and uh, and keep supporting the Dirty Sports Podcast. Yeah, and also see Joe in the latest Borat movie. He really does a great yeah. job. Yeah, I watched it Friday with uh, some family members, and uh, you killed it as always. I haven't, I've, I've seen neither Borat movies. You, but you don't like that type of comedy. There, I, yeah. This, I do. My favorite thing isn't let's make fun of dumb people um, and let dumb people make fun of themselves. It's not my favorite thing. Um, also, I've got a little, I've got a weird, uh, I've got a weird thing with the Borat movies, which is a, a deep file, a lot to unpack. It has nothing to do with my mustache, but. Uh, Does it have anything to do with Sasha Baron Cohen in general? No, I won't get it. I won't get into it today. It's a, it's a deep, we could, we could talk about it off, off air sometime, but also, yeah, the, the, like, look at dumb, look at me counting dumb people into saying dumb things is also not my favorite style. Although, you know, from time to time it can be amusing. Well, he even got Rudy Giuliani's jacket. I was just about to say, he got, he got Rudy Giuliani. So that, that scene. Wow. Uh, I, I watched it. I, you know, it wasn't as good as the first one, but I, but I still, I still enjoyed it. Dirtballs have a great week. We'll be back on Thursday. And as always, stay dirty. <laughs>